The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the marketing value of hosting a conference. Joining us is Rich Brooks, who is the president of Flight New Media, which is a web design and internet marketing company that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs with search engine optimization, email marketing, blogging, social media, and building websites that sell. Flight New Media is also the company behind the Agents of Change Digital Marketing Conference, and they're the hosts of the Agents of Change podcast. Today, Rich is going to tell us about the value his company gets from putting on the Agents of Change conference. Okay, here's our interview with Rich Brooks, president of Flight New Media. Rich, welcome to the MarTech podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Always great to connect with another podcaster. And honestly, I have to say, in the brief time that we've known each other, I look at you as a template to follow for my consulting business and for my content assets, the MarTech podcast. You've been doing this for, you just hit your 20-year anniversary, so congratulations, and thanks for giving us other agencies and podcasters a route to follow. Oh, man, you're making me sound old now. It wasn't necessarily my intent, but hey, take it how you want. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we turned 22 just a few months ago, so we're even older than we look, if you can believe that. Hey, you don't look a day over 15. Thanks. And I'm excited to have you on the show. And I'd love to learn a little bit about how your company has grown, how you've evolved, and specifically talking to you about how and why you've been building a conference. Start off by telling us a little bit about Flight New Media. Well, I started this, like I said, about 22 years ago, just a guy in his apartment with a computer. I really didn't like working for the man back then and figured I had a couple of years before programmers learned how to design or designers learned how to program. And I had a job for about two years. And here I am 22 years later, still doing it. It turns out that you can actually hire people who are much more talented than you to do the stuff. And that's what I've discovered. And over time, I moved my company from Jamaica Plain when it was just me up to Portland, Maine, where I now live, and started bringing on more and more talented people. And we got a creative director and we have project managers and we have designers and developers and marketers and For a while, the joke was, I just make the coffee for the talented people in the room. And then all of a sudden, we got one of those Keurig machines. So really, I don't even know what my role is here anymore. Just like me, you're just the talking head and figurehead of the company. I know. We're just the pretty face. A face made for radio and hopefully the voice to suit. Right. So you mentioned that you've hired a handful of people to work at your agency. 
And you've gone from web development and expanded into marketing services. You also do a podcast and you create a conference. Talk to me about some of the reason behind that multi-pronged approach and why are you creating content and hosting events? Well, starting off with going from web design, which is really where I started to expanding into first it was SEO, then it was blogs, then email marketing and social and so on, is just that I really felt that I needed to back up what I was designing with helping businesses actually grow. So I became really interested in search engine optimization and then all the other platforms. So that was the natural growth of the company because I really wanted to be able to support small and medium-sized businesses. And then over time, I just found that one of the best ways for me to connect with other people was to be up on stage and to see their reactions. So when I was teaching them, I always love teaching, you know, I'm teaching them about SEO or social media or email marketing or even web design, whatever it may be, I get that immediate reaction. So I started putting on local events just so I have some speaking gigs. And also I found that getting up on stage literally and figuratively elevates you and suddenly people start taking you a lot more seriously. And back when social media was just starting to happen, I noticed that suddenly I went from, I'd say, medium to well-attended speaking gigs that every time I talked about social media, the room was packed, standing room only. And uh, I was speaking for other groups and they were not paying me and they were charging at the door. So I knew something was amiss. And with a couple of friends, we actually put on an event called Social Media FTW. We did that for three years. And that was kind of like the forerunner of the Agents of Change Conference. And then when the band broke up, I decided to go my own way and I reinvented it and called it Agents of Change so we could talk about search engine optimization and mobile marketing along with social media. And that was how it all began. I knew that getting speaking gigs was going to be helpful for my company. It was a great way to generate leads. And I also knew that with a decent sized conference, I could lure in other speakers that would bring in their own audiences to compliment the people I might be able to bring in as well. So you found that by being a speaker and by being publicly visible, you were able to build credibility for your professional persona and also for your brand. And really putting on an event was an extension of that. Do you find that people look at you and your brand as more credible because you're hosting event? Or is it, you know, what's the difference between just going and being on the speaker circuit and then actually running your own event? There's certainly a benefit to standing up on stage. And there's a lot of successful companies that don't have anybody that gives presentations. This is just one way in which you can obviously reach more of your ideal customers. And it's one that I just really enjoy and I've been told I'm pretty good at. So that's one of the reasons I went that direction. And originally putting on my own events was just one way to make sure that I actually got enough speaking gigs. But as it evolved, I discovered that there's a whole nother level of respectability perhaps when it's your event. And there's a number of tactics, and I'm more than happy to share these, that I've used to kind of elevate that as well. First of all, I was very lucky that I was already doing a lot of speaking gigs and had become friends with a lot of well-known digital marketers. And when I mentioned I was putting on an event, I was able to call in a number of my friends who had really big followings and were well-known, and they were happy to come and share the stage with me. And when you position yourself as one of the experts and you're standing alongside of a Chris Brogan or an Amy Porterfield or Derek Halpern, who were all there the first year, suddenly it elevates your visibility and it elevates you to a whole nother level. And you can make sure that I had the photographers there taking pictures and videos of the three or four of us standing together. 
So let's get into that a little bit more. There's the inferred credibility, and you're putting yourself into a class of highly visible, well-respected marketers. And so naturally, people are going to think that you are a highly visible, well-respected marketer. I'm sure that you have the chops to back that up as well. Talk to me about some of the other business impacts that putting on a conference has other than just, hey, people put me in a class with all these other great marketers. I think when you're putting on your own event, you get to really control the narrative. So Flight New Media gets an automatic bump. We position Flight as the power behind the Agents of Change conference. There's a lot of visibility we have from a branding standpoint. When we're promoting the Agents of Change, there's often some sort of mention of Flight New Media and Rich Brooks slash The Rich Brooks is its own brand which sounds weird. It sounds like I'm this huge megalomaniac, but I'm just, I recognize it that people sometimes are more interested in Rich Brooks than they are about either flight or agents of change and vice versa. So I think the idea of putting on an event and tying it to your company or brand, it's not something that everybody can do. It takes a lot of work. In fact, this is usually our biggest project of the entire year. And it makes it difficult for anybody else in my area to kind of compete with me one-on-one in this specific arena, which is putting on your own event. And because of that, whenever anybody mentions Agents of Change or Rich Brooks, Flight gets that bump. And therefore, we're in that conversation when it comes to who are we going to turn to for a website or for paid search or for local SEO or for email marketing or what have you. So you mentioned that you're seeing a business lift when you're running the Agents of Change conference for Flight New Media. Those are two separate brands. Obviously, Flight New Media puts on the Agents of Change conference. How are you evaluating the business lift? What's the ROI look like? Talk to me about the measurement and you know how do you make sure that the investment that you're putting in is worthwhile? We do run the numbers, obviously, every year. We look at the money we put into Agents of Change, and we look at the money we get out of it. And we make money through sponsorships, and we make money through ticket sales. So my goal is, just from a financial standpoint, to break even with the Agents of Change. And where it gets questioning, like people are like, well, do you make money or do you lose money? We come close to breaking even, but it's hard to know exactly. And the reason is, is because we have different opinions in our company and our consultants on how we should charge for our own time. On a given year, depending on how you run the numbers, we might either make, say, $10,000 or lose $10,000. And that $20,000 shift comes down to what are we charging ourselves for our own work? We need to charge something because the bottom line is we're doing a lot of work towards this. There's 500 or so man hours every year that go into this from project management to reaching out to the speaker, all the things that go into it. So that's really where the rub is. So I'm always like, listen, it's usually the quietest time of year. And plus all the benefits we get out of it, it should, you know, more or less, maybe it's $50 an hour, something like that. That's when we make money. When it's $150 an hour, that's when we lose money. So it's probably somewhere in the middle. Then I look at it like, okay, so this is a marketing event. And if the marketing event can pay for itself, that's fantastic because we always get business out of it. And we track where we get leads from. The big ones are the podcast, the conference, speaking gigs, and inbound marketing, you know, people just finding us on the web. And we get some of our best jobs coming from the conference. And just anecdotally, I have a married couple friends of mine. And for years, I've been trying to convince them to just get with us. They have this awful looking website, $5,000. Come on, just invest in your company. Now, a couple of years go by. The husband ends up winning a ticket to the Agents of Change conference, sends his wife, wife comes, talks for 15 minutes to my creative director, signs a deal for $21,000 worth of design work the very next day. 
Now, that obviously wasn't going to happen unless that person was in the Agents of Change conference, saw everything we were doing, saw the grandiosity of the whole thing, and then ended up having a conversation with my creative director. That's where I see the putting on the event as really the reason why we do it. It really is a great generator of leads. Not all of them happen that immediately. We have a lot of things where we had a local lumber company come to us and I, you know, I asked a question like, so how did you hear of us? And they're like, we've been coming to the agents of change for the past couple of years. And we realized we need to start working with an outside agency. So you mentioned that you had this company that was a connection, a family friend of yours that decided that they were going to work with your agency after attending the conference. And you also mentioned that the agents of change is great for lead generation. Do you find that hosting a conference is better for making new contacts or extending the relationships that you already have? Is it a lead generation or a lead conversion tool, first and foremost? Definitely a lot of the people who attend the conference know of Flight New Media already. And I've seen business come in. Like I had a guy, they did like industrial piping and he's like, I'll never need marketing. I just need the website, gets the website, comes to the Agents of Change Conference. And after two speakers comes up to me and said, Rich, I'm totally wrong. We're going to be talking on Monday about SEO and email marketing, content marketing, the whole thing. I want it all. So that's warming a current customer. I would say probably 60-40, it's more about raising awareness of the company in the first place. So it's really good for current customers or current prospects. We might throw them a ticket or we might give them a discounted ticket or we make sure that everybody who's a current client comes to the conference. Because even though there are speakers outside of flight, the majority of speakers don't work for my company, they see the level of quality speakers and it kind of gets them thinking about what else could I be doing for my business? So I think that's kind of where it works best. So you mentioned that you're spending about 500 man hours to put on a conference. We didn't actually talk about the format of the conference. How long is the conference? Just give us the general overview. So it has evolved. We've kind of found our sweet spot when it comes to the day of conference. So the conference is one day, but we have added a second day of pre-conference workshops. But the conference itself is made up of three keynotes where everybody's in the same room and we start with a speaker, we end with a speaker, and then I'm usually the right after lunch guy because nobody wants that spot anyways. And then the rest of the day, there's four different time periods, each with three breakout sessions. So that's the format we've fallen into and the one that seems to be most successful. We've tried some other formats over the years and had some success with it, but this seems to be the right balance for us. And do you find that you're doing more work or less work if the conference is, is longer? Like, how did you figure out the format and how does that impact the amount of effort and resources from your team that you're investing? Originally adding the extra day, and for me, it's always a little bit of experimentation. So I had Subi Zimmerman, a speaker a few years, and she said, why don't we put on a little event before your conference and we'll charge a couple hundred bucks for it. And the two of us will just do a pre-conference workshop. And that worked out well. And we sold tickets to a very small group. And that was like the first taste of what if we made it longer? When I first started the conference, I thought people from all over would come to Maine because Maine's vacation land and we'll make it on a Friday. And that way you can extend it into a weekend. You can write it off as a business expense. But to be honest, like 90 to 95% of our people were within driving distance. And a few people who did come because maybe they wanted to see a particular speaker would often say to me at the end of the day, I wish this was longer. Like I'm having a great time, but one day's just not enough. And that's when we started experimenting with the pre-conference workshops more wholeheartedly. And this year we actually have the most ever. We have eight different half-day workshops you can choose from. You can choose two, one in the morning and one in the afternoon to attend. And that's above and beyond the price of the actual Agents of Change conference ticket. I'm doing the math in my head here and I'm thinking, okay, you're putting in 500 hours into putting on this event. 
let's say that your blended rate is somewhere between 50 and $100 for the cost of your team to put on this event, which means that your total cost is going to be somewhere between $25,000 to $50,000 of time invested, right? Either you're compensating your team or you're doing it yourself. Are there any other hard costs outside of that sort of investment in time? You obviously have to have the space and promotion. What are the other costs that go into hosting an event? So the biggest two costs for any event are going to be food and space. So space for us, we have this beautiful location within Portland at the University of Southern Maine that has a great auditorium and classrooms for breakouts. It's a really nice building and it seats 500, although we find 400 is our sweet spot. And the university is significantly less expensive than other venues that we looked at because it's just on the outside of town. It's on the other side of the highway as opposed to in the cool part of town, the old port. But still, it's a five minute Uber over there because I've looked into moving closer, but financially didn't make sense. And the other thing is food. And almost every venue we looked at, you have to go with them for food. And that's where they make their money. The university was kind enough to let us get in our own food for the networking events. We use them for breakfast, lunch, and snacks, but they let us do the networking one, which worked out great because there's this world-famous pizza place, and they give us $500 a pizza in exchange for two tickets to the conference. And here's the thing. This is where the money works for me, and it's because of the size conference I'm at. If you're much bigger or much smaller, these numbers may not work for you, but for us, we're right where we need to be. So I get to connect with Auto Pizza, Unbelievable Pizza, Shipyard Brewery, and my friend actually owns a distillery called Split Rock. So we offer free pizza and free beer and free cocktails at our networking event, which is always nice. It gets people to stick around a little bit longer and connect with each other and with us, and also puts them in front of sponsors one more time. And that whole thing cost me like maybe eight to 10 tickets, which is basically just a few hundred dollars for something that's obviously several thousand dollars worth of investment otherwise. And doing these kind of barters, including like advertising costs and everything like that, and print ads, you know, doing as many of these things as barters and just giving tickets instead is a great way of keeping your costs down and being able to give so much more for your attendees as well. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? 
Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about the actual costs. I know you don't have to speak specifically to agents of change, but what I'm trying to figure out is for a 500-person conference, you said your biggest costs are going to be food and your location. Are we talking 25 grand in total, 10? Where does that I net out? Say, I want to say with the food included, it might be 20 to 30K. It depends. And it depends on the year and it depends on a few other factors. But I mean, that's a decent sized budget for sure. You might find much cheaper places. And honestly, for us, most of the cost is the food. So what I'm trying to get to is you're in 25 to 50 grand on labor, right? To put on the event, to get everybody coordinated, everything that goes into making the event actually happen. You have, let's call it roughly 25 grand in hard costs, location, you know, rent and food. So you're looking at something between 50 to $75,000 to put this event on for a 500 person event. That's a $100 cost per lead is what it works out to. And so as I'm trying to do the math on evaluating this as a marketing channel, if you're selling $20,000 worth of websites and you're able to get leads for $100, that's a no-brainer, right? You get three leads out of the conference, you're easily break-even, and you're also selling tickets. Well, I was going to say, so we, we so far you've only talked about my costs. It sounds like if anybody's just tuning in that I literally open the door and let anybody walk in. And we treat this like any other conference, like inbound or social media marketing world. I mean, we look at what we think is a valuable exchange for the goods that we put up on stage. And our ticket prices are $349 day of that conference. Although we start the tickets at $179 and then they build up over time. So we always have that incentive for people to buy now. We also have a virtual pass. Uh, One other cost I didn't mention is we spend $10,000 for video and the live feed which we hopefully make our money back. And this is just an interesting psychological side note. So we used to have the virtual pass, the physical pass, and the blended pass, which gave you everything. And we only charged 25 more dollars for anybody who wanted to upgrade to the uh, blended pass. So with the blended pass, you can go home and watch every single session, even the breakouts that you missed, right? And you can watch them as many times as you want for a year. A couple of people complained to me that I was cheap because I was charging extra for the video. I'm like, do you know of any other conference that just gives you free video? But rather than argue with them, I just included it. But what I did is I knocked the prices up $25 next year. So basically, I made it so everybody is getting this for only $25, but it's included in the price. So now nobody complains about it. They think it's the most awesome thing of all times because psychology. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, there's the value proposition. And you're right, I didn't talk about the revenue coming in and the value that you're providing to the speakers. Really, what I'm thinking about is from a marketing perspective, hey, it's a fifty dollars to $75,000 investment-ish to generate, and I'm using round numbers, 500 leads that are going to be in your face, in person, engaged with your content, obviously going to be exposed with your brand. You're selling your tickets, you mentioned something between $170 to $350. I'm going to call that a $200 blended rate. You're netting $100,000 if you're selling 500 tickets. Now, you mentioned your sweet spot's 400 and you're giving some of the tickets away. So, yeah, I it's think I want less. to say like it's between 60 and 75K for our conference in terms of ticket sales. Yeah. 
And then at the end of the day, you know, when we were talking about the ROI for you, it's we have somebody that comes in and they buy a $21,000 website, right? Or we build these relationships that are worth tens of thousands of dollars over time. Naturally, there is a positive business result going into your agency. And so you mentioned before that running a conference is right for some people and it isn't right for others. Your, let's call it average selling price for a product is tens of thousands of dollars, long relationships. You know, you have multiple product lines with your agencies and you're in a geography where there probably aren't a ton of conferences. You know, Portland, Maine, lovely town, been there myself, but I'm guessing that there aren't a lot of marketing conferences that are there outside of agents of change. Talk to me about who running a marketing conference is right for and who should stay away from this. I think it's about getting in first, quite honestly. I'm saying that you have to have the personality type that is outgoing. I mean, I set myself up as the brand ambassador for Agents of Change. So you have to be willing to talk to sponsors and attract sponsors to your event because that helps with the underwriting, the whole cost. And you need to be out there constantly talking up the conference and getting people excited and making the connections with the right speakers. And it is time consuming. And like you said, it's a big layout of cash. So if you're not in that zone, then this probably isn't right for you. But I think anybody listening to your show, this could be a good fit for them. It doesn't have to be a 400-person conference. And that's one of the things I want to drive home. It's like a 12-person event, a lunch and learn, can be incredibly successful for your company if it's the right 12 people in the room. So if you're like me and you're putting on this event because you're looking to generate leads and sales for your business, it's more about creating that right audience than anything else. And my first events were like 13, 14 people at the Chamber of Commerce, you know, before I decided that I wanted to go bigger. So I think it's a lot about just figuring out what size you want to be at. I don't think that there's necessarily a person that it's wrong for. I just think that everybody's got their different skill sets. Mine likes to be up on stage. Other people like advertising their way to new clients. Other people want to write a book to establish their credibility. So I think you just have to decide, is putting on an event what you want to be doing? And for me, putting on an event, despite the sleepless nights and the stress I get, of like, will anybody show up this year? I love it because I love throwing a party. There's something about bringing a group of people together, and it really increases when you get to like three to 400 people together. That's just an amazing feel. And I know from talking to people over the years, like that they've changed jobs because of this, and they made connections because of this, and they've gotten hired or started their own business because of it. And the connections I've made between other speakers and stuff, it's an amazing feel for me. So I'm willing to put up with a lot of the hard work because I know that it's worthwhile in the end, but I'm able to get through the grind of it because I actually love the idea of a live event. I think that there's a lot to take away from that. First and foremost, when you're working on events and you're interested in hosting event, one of the main takeaways here is that you're able to build your credibility and that you're able to put yourself next to a class of other marketers or other professionals that help you drive influence for your business, right? And that's why there is a business result that comes out of being a host of the event. The dynamics for this, you know, a lot of it is whether you should put on an event or not. It's really about personality. Is it the right investment of time and resources for you and something that you're going to be successful at? Rich is a great public speaker in this example, and he's willing to put in the 500 hours that it takes to host a 500 person event. The last thing is, you know, the goal here for the type of event that Rich is talking about is essentially to break even from the event between your sponsorships and between your ticket sales. 
And then you're really getting all of the value out of the auxiliary revenue that's coming. So you need to think about your business model, what the likelihood of you being able to sell tickets. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Rich Brooks, the president of New Flight Media, for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Rich is going to tell us what goes into promoting and hosting a conference. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Rich, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is TheRichBrooks, T-H-E-R-I-C-H-B-R-O-O-K-S. Or you can visit his company's website, which is TakeFlight, T-A-K-E-F-L-Y-T-E.com. A couple of links in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com question where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and on Twitter, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Rich Brooks, the president of Flight New Media, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.